Well, good morning, church. Our uh, Blast kids have had a great second week, and uh, we want to show you another video like we did last week. We want to let everybody know if, if you have a child that wants to be part of this, I believe there's still time to sign up for that. So all you have to do is go to the Church Center app or go onto our website and you can find it. But here's the video from what happened this last week at Blast. Please rise for our first song. seated. Good morning to each and every one of you. 
special welcome to our guests. We're glad that you're with us in worship. Come on back again. We'd love to have you. Uh, if you're here today, whether you're a guest or anyone else, um, if you have questions, we have a couple ways to maybe answer those questions. Uh, we have a digital bulletin, and uh, there's a QR code, and if you use your uh, phone, your camera, line it up, it'll take you to a place that'll answer a lot of your questions. Uh, also, in the chair backs in front of you, we have these cards, and these cards will let you know about prayers if you want to include a prayer in worship today. Uh, if you would like to take communion, it'll tell you what to do with that. And again, if you're a guest here and you'd like to um, maybe start a conversation to get some questions answered, it'll tell you how to start that process. So if you would um, take a look at those things. A couple other uh, quick things that are happening in the life of the congregation. Today, after the 11 o'clock service, we have our new disciple launch. It's a time where we, um, well, we get to have a conversation with you about what we believe as a church, what you could expect of us as your church, and then thirdly, what we would hope for you in your journey with us um, at this place of uh, worship. And that's going to be right after the service, a um, little after 12. Also, uh, tonight at 6.30, we have a hot dog feed and friends. And what that is, just a great opportunity to kind of connect with our neighbors. And so if you would like to come to that and be a part of that, maybe bring some people with you. We would love to have some time with you uh, having hot dogs and other goodies. Last but not least is Sidewalk Prophets, June 12th, one week from today, right here. If you have questions, feel free, go to the website. It'll direct you to tickets and answer a lot of the questions that you might have for Sidewalk Prophets. Uh, again, we've had them here before. Great, great presentation of the gospel with music that is really, really great. Um, I think that's it for announcements. Uh, may uh, God bless our time together as we worship him.
Boys and girls, it's time for the kids' message, so come on up front. Find a seat up here on the floor. Yeah, come on up. There we go. All right. Well, I've got a couple lighters with me this morning. Don't be scared. I'll be safe with them, all right? But we use lighters sometimes, don't we, to light candles? Like during Advent or Christmas Eve, we'll light candles. During baptisms, we usually light a candle. And that reminds us that Jesus is the light of the world, right? And then as we are called into his family, as his love-forgiven children, the light of Jesus shines in us, and it shines through us as his love comes into us, fills us up, and as we share his love with other people, right? So Jesus is the light of the world. And he fills, up with his, fills us with his love so that we can share it with others. But life doesn't always feel light and bright and happy, does it? Sometimes, sometimes life can be hard, can't it? Sometimes people sin against us, and that hurts, right? Sometimes we sin, and that hurts other people, and it hurts ourselves. And sometimes life just feels hard. And so we could feel like this lighter, like our light's gone out and we feel wet and just like there is nothing that we can do. Right? Sometimes life can feel like that. Do you think I broke it? Yeah. Water and fire do not go together, do they? No. But you know what? When, we, when there's nothing that we can do, it's okay because there's someone who can. Remember, Jesus is the light of the world, and he is always with us, and he can strengthen us and, and relight our fire as we trust in him. So when we feel like there's nothing we can do, like this wet lighter, Jesus is with us, right? And he can strengthen us. And actually, Philippians 4.13 tells us that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So I can do all things through who? Christ. Who gives me what? Strength. Strength. That's right. So we can trust Jesus when in the good times and the bad, when we feel like we can't, we know Jesus can. And he is always with us. All right. Will you pray with me? We'll fold our hands and you can repeat after me. Thank you, Jesus. You are my strength. I trust you. In good times and in bad. Amen. All right, boys and girls, thanks for coming up. And you can head on back to your seats. The wonder of how you brought the memories. 
that's the kind of God we have, who steps into our world, into our life. He understands what we go through, and he loves us, just like he did back in the story of the children of Israel um, and their enslavement in Egypt. As we continue now with communion, we take a moment to profess what we believe, what we believe and know about ourselves as sinners, what we believe about Jesus being the person that can forgive sins, what we believe about this meal called Holy Communion, and also what we desire to live as faithful Christians in this world. So I'd like for you to join me in professing this as we have the words up on the screen together. I recognize and confess that I am a sinner. I repent of my sin and ask God's forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is my only Lord and Savior from sin, Satan, and death. I believe that the risen Christ is really present in this sacrament, and under the form of the bread and wine, I receive his true body and blood for the forgiveness of my sin and the strengthening of my faith in life. I resolve to dedicate my life to the service of my Lord in his body, the church, by regular group worship, cheerful giving, thankful living, and sharing the gospel with others. Amen. And just to say it succinctly and briefly, because of Jesus, your sins are forgiven. God takes all that sin, takes it as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers it no more. And that is what we celebrate every day, but also in this meal, as we remember our Lord Jesus Christ. On the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. After he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also he took the cup after supper. After he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. As we continue now with the distribution of Holy Communion, if you have those individual communion sets, feel free to receive those elements believing that Jesus is truly present and forgiveness of sins is your gift. Uh, feel free to take that. If you're going to come forward for continuous communion, please do so during the song. And if you desire either gluten-free or grape juice, please let the server know. May this time be a reminder of the grace of God, as these are the gifts of God for all of God's people. Amen. Hey! 
Now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and empower you for life, for mission, for ministry. Go in the name of God. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer this morning. Father, we just thank you that we can come to you with whatever weighs heavy upon us and that you are there to hear us and to walk us through it. A prayer for a mom and a son that you give them peace and encouragement and direction through difficult times. Prayer for strength for a friend as she goes through chemo treatments. Prayers for John and Bobby as they fight their battles with cancer. Give them the strength they need and be with their families through this time. Prayers for a strength from a good friend as she continues her battle with cancer. Prayers of comfort and peace for the family of Ariana Wolfgram. Prayer, Father, you just shower us with grace that I will receive a new job and I'll be spiritually working for you, Lord. A prayer, Lord, that you just be with the Booth family. Give them peace and comfort in their loss of their uncle, brother, and son, Matt. A prayer, God, that you just be with Nancy this week as she goes to Cleveland for scans and blood work, provide good news and good results, and continue to work mightily in the ways that you can through the doctors and guide them and give them wisdom. Father, we thank you for all these prayers, even the ones that are unspoken on our heart, that you just give us a strength to lay them at your feet and to have faith and trust you. And we just thank you, Father, that you can walk us out of our own Egypt through the promised land in Jesus' name. Join me as we pray the prayer that the Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. We continue, or actually begin a new series, something we did last year. When we had our summer camp, which is entitled Blast, uh, we decided to follow those themes because those themes are good for children of all ages. So whether you come to the camp during the week or you come on worship on Sunday, we thought these themes are really perfect. Now, what does BLAST stand for? It stands for this, building lives around sound truth. Not just any truth, not the, what the world says, but sound truth. And one of those truths that we find is the theme for today, God guides and God provides. It is something that is um, evident throughout the scriptures as we look at the history of God's activity with his people. He is constantly providing and guiding and doing all sorts of good things for his children. That's just who he is. It's part of his character. And where we learn about this character is in the scripture. In fact, 2 Timothy 3.16 is a very bold statement of what we believe about God's word here at 1C. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so, let me just make this a very, very clear statement. The Bible, we believe this is a gift of God given to people like you and me. Now, Timothy says it's God-breathed. That's the word for inspired. God inspired this uh, Bible to be for you and me. He moved in men's lives to write down what God wanted us to have even today. We also believe that the Bible is inerrant. Which, in other words, there's no errors in it. It is the truth. It is something that we get to look at and to learn from and to draw the truth that will move us from this earth into the glories of heaven. That's what this is. Now, the reason I'm making a, a really big emphasis on that is we live in a time and place today where there's what's called deconstruction. Anybody ever hear that word in light of deconstruction of your faith or deconstruction of the Bible? Anybody ever hear of that phrase? Okay, some of you have heard it. Um, I had somebody tell me that back when Pastor Elliot was uh, the pastor at the church, he kind of did an illustration. I'm not going to do it today because I like this Bible. But he was sitting up there and he was kind of going through it and saying, you know, I, um, I, I like, this is what the Bible says. This is good. I'm going to keep that in there. And then he got to some, somewhere where he says, I don't really like this. And he tore it right out of the Bible. That's kind of what deconstruction can be. But I want to uh, give you a definition of that, a uh, working definition. It's called, um, de deconstruction is the process of taking apart and examining an idea, tradition, practice, or belief to determine its truthfulness, use usefulness, and impact. So I want to give you a couple examples. One of them uh, came on vacation. So I was uh, in Wisconsin. I was right on Lake Michigan. It was beautiful backdrop. But I did find myself wanting to watch a basketball game. And during the basketball game, 
there was a commercial that talked about an old thought back in, I think, medieval times. That if you had a toothache, if you kiss a donkey on its lips, it would take your toothache away. I think we've come a long way, you know, from that. And we know, we know that that does not work. There's other remedies for that. Or how about this? Um, there was a time in the history of the world where there were people that felt the wor world, the earth, is flat. In fact, there are some people even today that are called flat, you know, flat earth people. They still believe it's flat. But we've come to know, no, it's not flat. It's round. So we can look at those and we can kind of go, yep, and maybe even chuckle with it. But sometimes this deconstruction can be painful. And I want to bring you to a Jim Thielen story of a grade school friend, a high school friend. His name's Tim. And we went from kindergarten through eighth grade, and then we went to the same high school together at Milwaukee Lutheran High School in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And the first nine years, kindergarten through eighth grade, I mean, pretty good stuff. But in high school, I kind of went my way, which was not a good way. I don't advise it for any high schooler. Don't do that. Um, and, and Tim was concerned for my well-being. And he would pray for me. He'd reach out to me. He would do all sorts of things. And I just kept kind of going like, no, thank you. And it, and it wasn't until my senior year in high school where Jesus became real to me and my world turned upside down. And I believe wholeheartedly that my friend Tim was responsible for that, that God used him in my life. So it was uh, April 1979. My world turned upside down. Tim is now rejoicing, thankful that Jim Thielen is no longer going down this really bad path. In fact, we were so uh, connected that we, we put a band together entitled In His Name. And uh, I sang and he played uh, bass guitar and it was kind of, kind of fun. Uh, he was the one that, if you remember, I talked about going downtown Milwaukee. And we were just waiting for anybody we could tell G about Jesus to. We were looking for opportunities like that. We were just on fire for the Lord. The summer ended. I go off to the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. He goes off to Marquette University. My year, um, I ended up taking a total of five credits all year. Okay. I had to work up to it. I started with two the first semester, and then I took three credits the second semester. You know, I was like on this big, well, actually, you know what I was doing? I stayed down at the student union, and I was opening up the Bible for the first time. I was digging deeply. I was just learning like it was fresh. It was beautiful. Tim, on the other hand, went to a place. Um, I think the, the university is incredible, Marquette University. But I'll never forget after the first year, he came to me and he said, Jim, I don't believe in Jesus like you do anymore. You see, what happened is in some of the classes he took, there was a deconstruction of the Bible. Pulling apart, picking and choosing, making him question and wonder. And then he came to this place and this conclusion that says, the Bible's not real and neither is this Jesus. 
And I'll never forget telling him, I said, I want you to know how real this is. You may want to deny Jesus in your life, but you cannot deny what you did to me because of the Bible. You can't take that away. So I've been praying for him ever since. I don't know where he is, what he's doing, but that's what happens when there's a deconstruction in a bad way. There's a deconstruction in a good way, and we can go back 500-some years ago to Martin Luther and the Reformation. Now, here's what was going on before Martin Luther was a monk, a priest, and then pastor. Um, the church at the time was doing some deconstruction of its own and had started teaching uh, one thing in particular that was terrible. And this is what was being taught. Your salvation is dependent on what Jesus did and on what you do. It's called Christ plus theology. So in order for you to get to heaven, it's what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago, but it's also what you do on this earth. Because God is going to look and he's going to add up all the good things you do, and if you do enough good things, then you get to go to heaven. Well, Martin Luther, when he was wrestling with this teaching, he was disturbed. So he did a deconstruction, but he also did a reconstruction. That's what the Reformation is all about, is to go back to the Bible, go back to its teachings, go back to that truth, and to hold on to that for dear life, because it gave him dear life. So that's Martin Luther. And now, today, we're going to be taking a look at the children of Israel and the Red Sea. I think there was a deconstruction going on. God has always proven himself to be true and faithful and loving to the children of Israel. But the children of Israel sometimes didn't buy that. They kind of twisted it and turned it. And so there was a little bit of doubt in their world. And that's dangerous when we start doubting who God is and what he's done. So I want to take you on a journey. We could look in the book of Exodus, and we will. But if you ever want a very good summary, a succinct summary of the story of the children of Israel and Egypt and Pharaoh and God's deliverance, go to Psalm 106. It gives a great storyline. It, it follows it through. We don't know who wrote this psalm, but we do know that it is a great depiction of God's love for his people. So I want to share with you a couple verses from Psalm 106. I'll take you into the book of Exodus a little bit, and hopefully we're going to draw some understanding for you and for me. All right, let's go to verse 7 in Psalm 106. When our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses, and they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Deconstruction. I just want you to put that on there. God has been faithful to them through and through. But now here they are by the Red Sea, and they're like, okay, where is this God? And they're really struggling with his activity and also his decision-making. They're really battling with that. Then we get to verses 8 and 9. Even though they're doing that, right, we're told, yet he saved them for his name's sake, to make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea and it dried up. He led them through the depths 
as through a desert. Not sure why it says the Lord's Prayer, but let's uh, get that back up there. Thank you very much. All right. Yet he saved them for his name's sake to make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea and it dried up. He led them through the depths as through a desert. He saved them from the hand of the foe. From the hand of the enemy, he redeemed them. The waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them survived. So even though they were struggling with God's decision to get them out of Egypt and bring them to the Red Sea, God kept loving them. He saved them. And then we find the response. When they had the light bulb moment, when they saw God's activity, they saw that he was saving them, we're told, then they believed his promises and sang his praises. Wow. God was teaching them even at that moment. Now, in this short portion of Scripture, and I'll just say it's woven through Genesis all the way to Revelation, two main truths we find. Number one, God is committed to our freedom. He just is. It's who he is. In fact, if we go back to Martin Luther, we go back to what he was teaching, um, he taught that God came to set us free from sin, from Satan, and from our, own, um, from our own flesh, right? And from this world we live in. I mean, that's what he came to do. And he did it in such a beautiful way in the sending of his son. But we get a picture of it even with the children of Israel thousands of years ago. God is committed to our freedom. And secondly, God is going to receive the glory. Just like the children of Israel when they were freed from uh, Egypt, they sang the praises to him and gave all the glory to God for what he had done in his life. Beautiful, beautiful reminder of God's activity. Now, this is the storyline throughout Scripture. In fact, if we jump into the New Testament and we go to the book of Acts, we see Stephen, and we see Stephen being bold in his witness about Jesus. He is not going to back down. He is going to stand firm and he is going to speak the truth about this Jesus who loves this world. And now he's before the Sanhedrin. He is speaking, but he's not going to hold back. And he's going to say some really strong things to the point of he knew what was ahead of him. He knew that he was going to be put to death. He knew that his life on this world wasn't long. And yet here's just a glimpse of what he's thinking. In uh, chapter 7, verse 36, Stephen says, He led them, God, out of Egypt and performed wonders and signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and for 40 years in the wilderness. So Stephen, who is facing his own Red Sea, it's called being killed and having his life ended, he is making a bold declaration that God can save. God is committed to his care. Then we go to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament, and he wrote the Corinthian church two different times. 
And in his first letter, he had lots of topics he was addressing. But in chapter 10, he's addressing the idea of idolatry. And that the church, the Corinthian church, got sucked into, maybe had some own deconstruction here, where they started lifting up other things other than the one true God. So he brings them back to a time in the history of God's people. Again, it makes reference to the Red Sea. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. In other words, Corinthian church, or how about church, one sea, in 2022, just like God did back then, where God showed his faithfulness to his promise, he's, he's faithful today. He is right here today. I'm going to take you maybe just for a moment on something that the seminary tells you to be careful for. Don't try to spiritualize everything in the Bible. Now you're thinking, well, to spiritualize is a good thing, right? What they mean by that is when you look back at the history, don't always think that it means something to today. Don't, don't try to make that. It doesn't always work. But I do believe that there is a spiritual connection between what we're finding and hearing today and for us in our life. So example, the Red Sea. I believe that it represents the obstacles to our own freedom. And what Red Sea, what, what Red Sea do you have? You might be sitting here today and your Red Sea might be something called cancer. Your Red Sea might, might be financial struggles and stress. Your Red Sea might be some kind of relationship that is broken and fractured and it's kind of shaky right now. That could be your Red Sea. And then secondly, the children of Israel is you and me. Remember, the children of Israel is God's chosen people. We are also his chosen people today. Because of Christ, because of Christ's love for us, God chooses us and says, I want you to be part of my family. And I'm so committed to your care. I am committed to your freedom. And I'm also committed to really experiencing your, your blessing in your life. But here's the challenge. This goes uh, back to Psalm 130, uh, 106. But they, this is the children of Israel, right? But they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. In the desert they gave in to their craving. In the wilderness they put God to the test. Now here's where I want you to take this personally. Because I think the psalmist and whoever is the writer to this understands humanity really well. It's not just the children of Israel way back when, but it's you and me today. How many times do we soon forget what he had done? It happens. Or how about this? Did not wait for his plan to unfold. You ever kind of move ahead, are impatient with God's... Back over here, I was talking to one of the band members about how God answers prayers with either yes or no or not now. And I'll just tell you, I don't like the no, and I don't like the not now. And so sometimes I just move forward doing my own thing. So I can relate to what the psalmist is saying. Or how about this? In the desert, 
they gave in to their craving. In the wilderness, they put God to the test. How many times do I, do we, give in to our flesh, our human flesh, and we get our eyes off of the one God? So let's go to uh, Exodus now, where we do find the account of what was taking place. Uh, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. This is something that is new to me. I know I read this before, but it caught me in a different way this time. What is the scripture saying? If God was all about timing, it would have been the shorter way. Go through the Philistine country. But it wasn't about timing. It was about his people getting to his promised land. Now we get to the heart of why he chose the longer way for the children of Israel, not the shorter way. It goes like this. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So when they go that way and they see all these big people, they're like, I don't like this. I'm out of here. So God led the people around the desert road toward the Red Sea. God, in his infinite wisdom, God working and navigating through humanity. He understands our motives. He understands our fears. He understands our concerns. And he still is working. And that's what he did back then, and that's what he does today. Verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians, and they feared greatly. What would you replace the word Pharaoh with? What is it that causes you fear and anxiety and worry? I'll just tell you, for me, it's not being in control. I love control. I eat it for breakfast. I love it so much. What would you replace the word Pharaoh for? As Pharaoh approached, or whatever you want to fill in it, what creates fear? What causes us to maybe say and think what the children of Israel said? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? And now here's the response of God to his people. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And maybe you think about some of the scriptures that come to mind with that, right? Be still and know that I am God. What does it mean to kind of calm down, be at peace, even if there's chaos all around, and start contemplating on who God is? That's, that's how I think stillness happens. You know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When we take time to consider that, that is stillness. And everything around us can be havoc and chaos, but that is beautiful. But get this one. This one is, this, this is another wow thing for me. Verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. What does that look like? I want you to, I want you to 
visibly see this imagery when God is telling Moses to tell these people this. Here they are coming up against the, the Red Sea, and we have the army coming quickly to get them. You could picture they're between a rock and a hard place, and they're probably looking over here because they know the Red Sea is over here. They're looking at this enemy coming. But the way out was going to be through the Red Sea. Look this way. Go this way. But how many times do we, you and me, will look this way and will turn our back on God's deliverance? So turn towards where he's calling you and look forward. Last Bible verse, Isaiah 58. This whole idea of God guiding and providing. I mean, it's interesting. Um, I think for the last six months, it's been hanging on our wall. I don't remember it much, but in light of this theme, um, it says God guides and provides. Then it has a Bible verse on the bottom from Isaiah chapter 58. I grabbed the um, message translation of this, the version of it. I just think it's beautiful and profound. Your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. So we have a God who says, Jim Thielen, or any of you, if you're wondering where to go, God says, I'll tell you. Will you listen? I'll tell you where to go. And then get this next part. This is just picturesque. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places. Firm muscles, strong bones. You will be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. And this comes because of Jesus. This comes because Jesus came to this earth as a babe of Bethlehem. He lived the perfect life. He suffered, he died, he rose again so that we can have life to its fullest. And he tells you, trust me. Trust me, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Trust me, I will guide and I will provide because I am your Please stand as I close this in prayer. Good and gracious God, you are so faithful from generation to generation to generation. And even when we don't see it, you're faithful. So give us the faith, the eyes of faith to see you at work, to see the ways in which you guide us and provide for us that we can be the kind of children you want us to be. Children that trust our Heavenly Father more than anything. Thank you again for your grace and mercy for us. And we pray this all in Jesus' name.
Like he understood my I don't wanna be here face. I didn't bow my head, not one single prayer, but he just shook my hand, said I'm glad you're here. He says we'll all be judged, but he was never judgmental. And even though my songs, they don't belong in no hymnal. He quote me my lyrics, slapped me on the back, said man you got a gift, how you write like that? Yeah I know, it sounds cool right? Not your typical kid from Sunday school right? I still ain't figured out church yet, but Craig, I get so now he can't walk on water or turn a knife for valley red. But he just might be tight with a man that did. Now he ain't the light of the world, but I wish mine was bright as hell. Yeah, he just might be tight with a man that did. to a whole nother level to sacrificial heights 
Showed up at the ballpark after my son's game one night in two cars with his wife, Laura, watching from the other. So what in the world are y'all doing here, brother? He just laughed beside that old Chrysler town and country man with the keys and the title and a pen in his hand. Said, man, all you got to do is sign on this, y'all. So I said, no, no way. But he wasn't tight enough for an answer. He said, please, dude, somebody did this for me once. Just let me do this for you. We argued about it for a little while. Then I teared up. Craig smiled, so now he can't walk on water, turn to nap about it, but he just might be tight with a man that did. Now he ain't the light of the world, but I wish mine was bright as day. Yeah, he just might be tight with a man that did. To a giant and picks a fight Who turns a lion's den Into a petting zoo Who can have church in a fiery furnace Well, I'll tell you who Crazy people Trust in Jesus Following him wherever he leads us Kingdom seekers Walk by faith believers Here's the church Here's the steeple Shares a gospel, even when the world calls them a fool. And who's not afraid? 
SOS, I'm a castaway, trying to make it back home. Hope is far and I'm losing faith, thirsty deep in my soul. I fell to the lies that they sold me, a mirage that left my spirits broken. Now I need you to show me I'm not on my own. Said I've 